Welcome to the podcast, Move Forth with Grace. We will be reading the whole Bible in the year 2024. This is such a perfect way to get into God's Word each day and to develop your own relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I am your host, Angela, and want to first of all say that I am not an expert in theology or church history or a minister, and I never will claim to be. I am a wife and mother who has been reborn and want to be of service to God in gratitude for calling me back home. Welcome to the podcast. The Bible that I will be reading from is the One Year Bible. It is a New Living Translation, and you can find one at www.tendale.com. This episode is brought to you by the Move Forth brand. It encompasses freedom, health, and God's grace. We are created in God's image perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully. There is nothing that we need to do to earn His grace and His healing. He simply gives it to us. I am certified in health and life coaching, but no longer practice. However, I have health tips and resources, products that I love and use, homeschool tips and merchandise available on my website, and that is www.move forth.com. One of my favorite products on my website and that I use each day are stem cell activation patches. Stem cell therapy can be very costly and can produce results that are short-lived, which is why these patches are so brilliant and they're not considered to be stem cell therapy. They actually activate our own body's production of stem cells and support our health and well-being, all while optimizing our immune system. You can check those out on my website as well, www.move-forth.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for becoming less like you and more like Jesus. May you move forth with grace today. All right, well, today is day 55. We will be reading Leviticus 15, 1 through 16, 28, Mark 7, 1 through 23, Psalm 4, 11 through 17, and Proverbs 10, 13 through 14. Let's go ahead and begin with a prayer today. Dear Lord, thank you for this time in your word, in your presence. We just pray that we can be guided by your wisdom and that we can receive your grace and mercy that you give each and every day, new each each morning. Thank you, Father. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 15, 1 through 16, 28. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Any man who has a bodily discharge is ceremonially unclean. This defilement is caused by his discharge, whether the discharge continues or stops. In either case, the man is unclean. Any bed on which the man with the discharge lies and anything on which he sits will be ceremonially unclean. So if you touch the man's bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you sit where a man with the discharge has sat, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch the man with discharge, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man spits on you, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Any saddle blanket on which the man rides will be ceremonially unclean. If you touch anything that was under the man, you must, you will be unclean until evening. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man touches you without first rinsing his hands, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Any clay pot the man touches must be broken, and any wooden utensil he touches must be rinsed with water. When the man with the discharged is healed, he must count off seven days for the period of purification. Then he must wash his clothes and bathe himself in fresh water, and he will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, he must get two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle and give his offerings to the priest. 
The priest will offer one bird for a sin offering and the other for a burn offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the man before the Lord for his discharge. Whenever a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his entire body in water and he will remain ceremonially unclean until the next evening. Any clothing or leather with semen on it must be washed in water and it will remain unclean until evening. After a man and a woman have sexual intercourse, they must each bathe in water and they will remain unclean until the next evening. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. If any of you touch your bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed or any other object she has sat on. You will be unclean until evening if you touch it. If a man has sexual intercourse with her and her blood touches him, her menstrual impurity will be transmitted to him. He will remain unclean for seven days, and any bed on which he lies will be unclean. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Any bed she lies on and any object she sits on during that time will be unclean, just as during her normal menstrual period. If any of you touch these things, you will be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. When the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days, then she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves and two young pigeons and present them to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremonial impurity caused by her bleeding. This is how you will guard the people of Israel from ceremonial uncleanliness. Otherwise, they would die, for their impurity would defile my tabernacle that stands among them. These are the instructions for dealing with anyone who has a bodily discharge, a man who is unclean because of an emission of semen, or a woman during her menstrual period. It applies to any man or woman who has a bodily discharge and to a man who has sexual intercourse with a woman who is ceremonially unclean. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons, who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. 
Aaron will then present a sin offering, the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. After he has slaughtered the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense on the burning coals so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. Then he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle, because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it, for the purification ceremony is the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again, after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. Then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bull and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar. In this way, he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he is wearing when he enters entered the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place, put on his regular garments, and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness of Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Then he may return to the camp. The bull and the goat were presented as sin offerings, whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony. Will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. Mark 7, 1 through 23. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. 
This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, is it what comes from inside? It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Psalm 40, 11 through 17. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back into disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame. For they said, Aha, we've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. O oh my God, do not delay. Proverbs 10, 13-14 Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. And that concludes our reading time for today. All right, jumping over to the companion. Okay, so... In um, Leviticus 15.18, is Leviticus 15.18 implying that sex is dirty or disgusting? God created sex for the enjoyment of married couples as well as for continuing the race and continuing the covenant. Everything must be seen and done with a view towards God, toward God's love and control. Sex is not separate, separate from spirituality and God's care. God is concerned about our sexual habits. 
We tend to separate our physical and spiritual lives, but there is an inseparable intertwining. God must be Lord over our whole selves, including our private lives. And in Leviticus 16, 5 through 28, what do the two goats represent? This event occurred on the Day of Atonement. The two goats representing represented the two ways God was dealing with the Israelites' sin. First, he was forgiving their sin through the first goat, which was sacrificed, and second, he was removing their guilt through a set, the second goat, the scapegoat, that he that was sent into the wilderness. This symbolized how God carried away the sins of the people. The same ritual had to be repeated every year. Jesus Christ's death replaced this system once and for all. At any time, we can have our sins forgiven and guilt removed by placing our trust in Christ, our permanent scapegoat. And that is featured in Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. Okay, so in Mark 7 today, um, we we did see about uh, the Pharisees and their um, belief in the ritual of hand washing and questioning Jesus. And so uh, let's see, what did they, what, what did the Pharisees actually believe? The Pharisees were the most influential sect of the day. They believed in rigid separation from anything non-Jewish. Their theology included one, the most careful keeping of the law, two, a belief on the immorality of the soul, the resurrection of the body, and retribution in the afterlife, three, a belief in the reality of angels and spirits, four, a belief that God would deliver Israel and restore her earlier glory, and five, a belief in the doctrine of providence along with free will. Overriding all of this was their belief that Jews earned merit by keeping all the major and minor points of the law. And I'm just kind of reading ahead a little bit. There might be something I want to um, mention. So they focused very much on the the major and minor points. And I believe we talked about this when we were reading in Matthew, when Jesus brought up, well, you know, if you keep the law or you, you say that it's very important to keep the law, um, the law that Moses gave you about honoring your father and mother, you break um, you break the law by not supporting your parents financially um, in in later in life by saying, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what, what I would have given to you. So there was this, um, I'm forgetting the name of it. We did talk about it when we were in Matthew. Um, but, you know, older children were expected to help their parents as they got older. And so Jesus was calling them out on this, that this was more important than hand-washing. So why did Mark explain the Jewish rituals? Mark explained these Jewish rituals because he was writing to a non-Jewish audience. So it's important for us to understand, um, and these are things that you can look into if you have a study Bible or uh, Bible Hub is a great place um, uh, to find. Even in this companion, if you were to get the companion for the one-year Bible, it does have explanations of who the audience is, like who, who this book was originally written to. So that is just a wonderful thing. And Matthew, his is a Jewish audience. So he wanted to prove Jesus's Jewishness. So um, that is a very important part of the book of Matthew. And so 
Anyway, so he was writing to a non-Jewish audience. Before each meal, devout Jews performed a short ceremony washing their hands and arms in a specific way. The disciples did not have dirty hands, but they were simply not carrying out this traditional cleansing. The Pharisees thought this ceremony cleansed them from any contact they might have had with anything considered unclean. Jesus said they were wrong in thinking they were acceptable to God just because they were clean on the outside. So, and then also, uh, I love how Jesus explains, you know, talking about food and how the food actually doesn't defile you. It goes out of our system, right, into the sewer. It's actually what comes out of our heart. And it's just such a beautiful message of Jesus is focusing on the heart transformation of people, not the religiosity or the, um, you know, the ceremony, the, the, the ceremonial rituals that, um, the Pharisees and other Jew- religious leaders clung to it's no, it's, it's, it's a lot more simple than that. Um, and that is Jesus's new covenant and, and message and ministry. That's what it's focused on. It's more about the heart. And so, um, it's just such a beautiful part of Jesus's message that I think sometimes can actually, um, be so simple that I can be overlooked by many of us. And so, um, as you, you know, dive deeper into study and, um, you know, as we, as we, as we keep reading through the gospels, make sure to look for, uh, that important message, the heart. It's, it's, uh, it's so very important, especially to, um, living the Christian life because we can get very bogged down by, um, what we should be doing, what others are not doing. Is this biblical? Is this not? But we can get very bogged down kind of like the Pharisees and Jesus does not want that for any of us. He wants us to have a heart transformation through him. And it's just, it's so beautiful. Let's see. And we finished up our psalm today. We finished up Psalm 40. So, yeah, that that wraps up our study time for today. All right, let's go ahead and end with our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for just always guiding us and always pointing to Jesus. This entire, your entire word, your book is filled with wisdom and it it always points to your plan of salvation for all and we just thank you for just the opportunity to to be in your presence to be in your truth and to um, practice our faith in you and in in our savior and you jesus christ we just we thank you so very much for being willing to lay down your life for each and every one of us and we just pray that we can always remember each day of how how much we need you in our lives Jesus we we need you and we just pray that we never forget that we say this prayer in Jesus name amen well that concludes our episode for today thank you so much for joining me for being here I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.